Oh, look, honey. Isn't he the cutest? Come here, little buddy. He's just adorable. Mad snail disease is real! I'm a zombie! I've been bitten by a mad snail! I've got mad snail disease! Then I've got it! A snail just bit me, too! Kill the intro! to the only podcast that won't perpetuate any false claims of mad snail disease. I'm ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. I'm your host, Captain Eric, and it's a pleasure to host you here as we continue our sail through the fourth season of SpongeBob SquarePants. And today's episode is none other than Once Bitten, an episode all about mass hysteria and, of course, mad snail disease. This episode is the second half of the 73rd episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, and it first premiered in the United States on September 29th, 2006, although it originally premiered on July 27th, 2006, all the way in Australia. Surprisingly, I was so obsessed with the Simpsons movie when it was coming out that I can tell you right now that that's a year ahead of when the Simpsons movie came out, July 27th, 2007. That date was... Let me... I'm going to double check. Simpsons movie. July 27, 2007. That date is ingrained in my memory for some reason. When the Simpsons movie was first announced, they showed off that date and didn't change it whatsoever. If I remember correctly, like that initial teaser trailer of Homer Simpson announcing the movie. So yeah, it's weird little tangent there, but we're staying in the yellow place of characters, so I find it appropriate. Anyway, Once Bitten was storyboard directed by Casey Alexander and Chris Mitchell, who wrote this episode alongside Stephen Banks. Our animation director is Alan Smart, our technical director is Vincent Waller, and our supervising producer is Paul Tibbet. Woohoo! We have been witness to the citizens of Bikini Bottom blowing up a situation out of proportion, taking a small issue and making it a big issue. And then we can see the citizens themselves always ready to just join into this fury of emotion whenever there's something going on. If there's someone running through the town screaming about something, everybody starts screaming. And it's always a nice allegory to what happens above the sea level and what happens on land here because the concept of mass hysteria has been around as far back as the Middle Ages, and even to today, where you can see where one little issue can get blown out of proportion, where we're all on top of something or just punching down on someone who, at the end of the day, doesn't deserve it, or where we find out once the dust settles of a illness or a situation, oh, that, that wasn't as bad as we thought it was. Now, I am certainly not talking about any big, actual medical issues that we've had in the last few years. But what I am talking about are these little pockets of illnesses that have popped up over time. And when I mentioned the Middle Ages, I was serious about that. 
as as far back as that time, there was what was known as dancing mania, which sounds like a, a video game or an app or some sort of TV show on for today. But back then, there was this epidemic across Europe where people couldn't stop dancing. They just medically couldn't stop dancing. They all had very similar ailments between them, you know, headaches and fatigue, coughs, feeling nauseous. But then there was this extra layer where they couldn't stop dancing. And when I think about it, like, what could have caused this? Where is the the one person that started this or what's the one situation? And when you think about it today, well, are there people out there who can't stop moving Yeah, there are. It's people who suffer from Parkinson's disease. So you think about it back then, there were probably people suffering from a real disease that no one knew about, but then others were just seeing them and going, oh yeah, I have that too, and joining in. That is, uh, now I have no proof that that is exactly what happened, but just that thought, it's, it's really upsetting. This idea of mass hysteria... And we can see it play out in this episode, and precisely even what I'm talking about, where people see something and go, oh yeah, I have that too. Uh, We don't have it as widespread where an entire nation gets behind something that doesn't at least have smoke behind it. This had no smoke. The mad snail disease in this episode had no smoke behind it other than people getting bitten by a snail. Everything was in their mind. Except for the bloodshot eyes, we saw a a few characters with bloodshot eyes, but if that's the one thing that happens after you get bitten by a snail, is you get bloodshot eyes, think about how these characters were acting around and in the town, literally destroying the town. I am getting ahead of myself, and I think that little break in my voice was a notice to start back at the beginning. But as this episode opens, I love the music transition of the title card into Squidward talking. As someone who worked in radio, the thought of hitting the post right there is what came to mind. Like, the second the music cue ended, Squidward started talking. Mm, Beautiful. Absolutely love that. As Squidward is coming out of his house, he has all of his relaxation gear with him his chair, his umbrella, his sunglasses. He's ready for a sunny day, and he is disgusted by the amount of ooze that Gary leaves in his snail trail as he has been all over Squidward's yard. And we get a little quick bit of visual comedy as Squidward immediately, the second the camera cuts over to Gary showing him up close, we cut back to Squidward, and he has a mop and mop bucket as if he's mopping up Gary's snail trail. I mean, he is, but the fact that he's mopping underwater is pretty hilarious. The mop itself would still be useful, but to have the mop bucket is pretty funny. What is in there? Is it an oil-based cleaner, or is it whatever's in Goo Lagoon? I have no idea. But Squidward is tired of Gary leaving all of this guck and ooze all over his yard, and he's fed up with it. He decides to build a fence to block out Gary, and instead of building a decent, natural fence that you would see in any other neighborhood, Squidward decides to get 
the worst kind of wood possible, this, as he calls it, splintery cheap wood, which ends up being these giant logs, these stakes that are uh, trimmed at the top with a point, stuck into the ground, and then he covers it with barbed wire so he can just sit around that. It's not necessarily a fence, but a fortress. You would think that if Squidward wanted to build a fence in between him and SpongeBob's house, you know, it would be closer to whatever their dividing line of land would be. But Squidward just covers himself in this wood, gets himself a splinter. Keep that in mind. And also, we were told very early on how bad splinters were. A nice little foreshadowing of the series here. You should have thought of that earlier. Before we move on, I'd like to say that the uh, final straw for Squidward was that his pet rock collection was covered in Gary slime. He has these rocks with googly eyes attached to him. I wonder if he got those from Shell City, if he had those ordered in. But the pet rock, I'd like to mention, was a toy made by advertising executive Gary Dahl in 1975 and was a legitimate item sold to consumers for $4. It came in a box with holes cut into it to give the illusion that it was a living creature, but inside there was a rock, a simple rock, a pet rock. Nonetheless, Gary made over a million dollars during the pet rock's lifespan on store shelves. That is impressive. That is a feat that Mr. Krabs would certainly have to bow to if you were able to convince people to buy a rock. That's incredible. Anyway, on to uh, Squidward's fence. It seems like even with the splintery wood, Gary is not stopping in his escapades of covering Squidward's lawn in his gunk, in his excrement, and even covers Squidward's face in it as he's hopping along the top of these posts. As Squidward calls over SpongeBob to reprimand him over his snail's behavior, as he is yelling in SpongeBob's face, Gary bites Squidward on his behind, on his butt, if you will. And Squidward is genuinely upset by this, not in the way of anger, but it's a shock. He bit me like this wasn't something that Squidward ever would have thought Gary would do. SpongeBob certainly would have never thought that. And as soon as Gary was removed... Squidward then turned the anger back on and started asking SpongeBob if he has all of his shots, his rabies shot, his snail pox shot, his soft shell dance shot, which I have to imagine. The fact that once you look up mass hysteria, one of the first pieces of news is the, the dance mania. If that was a little thing thrown in there with this episode, I'd have to ask the writers about that. Bagitis... Lumpy Bump Trump, which is the goofiest sounding shot you could possibly take. And then apparently there's a shot you could take for teen angst, which is confirming in some way that Gary is a teenager. And if we look at Gary's birth date, which is November 27th, 1989, Gary, by the time that this episode was released, would be around 16 years old. So... That is pretty funny that Squidward would be asking if he has had his teen angst shots. Dear diary, mood, apathetic. 
Patrick walks himself into frame as Squidward is going down the gauntlet of different shots that Gary should be taking and decides to barge in with one other shot for mad snail disease. Patrick, or I'm going to guess that this is Dr. Professor Patrick, seems to be an expert on this mad snail disease, a disease that SpongeBob has never heard of, but... Patrick starts going down the gauntlet of ailments that comes alongside mad snail disease, and it seems like Squidward is knocking each of these out of the park. A rash is developed on the skin in some way. Soreness of the throat, bloodshot eyes, loss of balance as Patrick pushes over Squidward. Messy pants, which is pretty funny as Squidward himself is not wearing pants, so we have no idea if he can confirm that uh, ailment, ticklish rib cage as Patrick tickles Squidward and severely untrimmed toenails. We get this grotesque shot of Squidward's foot. It's one of those beautifully grotesque up-close shots that SpongeBob is known for, something that harkens back all the way to the Nicktoons' earliest history with Ren and Stimpy and that kind of humor. So we get... This shot of Squidward's apparent foot with toenails that have not been trimmed at all in a long period of time. So there's like a double grossness there. The fact that Squidward has toes like this and then the toenails. And then after all of this has happened to you, the metamorphosis is complete and you are now a zombie. The zombies are coming. My only real issue with this episode, it may not be the funniest episode of this season, but I do love how it's a allegory of how mass hysteria with an illness can can widespread a small issue. And that, to me, gives it some extra points in being uh, culturally relevant. But my one issue is the idea that Patrick is the one that starts this out. I know that in the past he has been the one to cause certain issues and certainly has been a catalyst for mass hysteria. But the idea that Squidward would listen to Patrick in any way is kind of laughable. And especially since two of the ailments, loss of balance and ticklish rib cage, were directly caused by Patrick, you would think that Squidward would catch on to this And one could claim he's in distress, he's just going to believe whatever somebody tells him. Sure, that's fine, but then Patrick's attitude towards Spongebob, and then his going off into Bikini Bottom to just make this issue bigger, Patrick should have more respect for Gary than than this. And it would be one thing if, through the means of a book, or by finding out about this apparent disease, Patrick then spread it, it would be a little bit more understandable, but the fact that he comes out of nowhere with this information and then decides to just go off the rails and spread it himself. Patrick is the guy that you give the information to to freak out and then be the catalyst. If he's the one coming up with the fake information, it feels a little weird. That's all I'm saying, is I wish there was an extra layer to getting the idea of mad snail disease to Patrick to then get him out into the wild. Instead, he decides to just 
run ahead of Gary and scream in terror that there's a mad snail coming, and if he bites you, you'll turn into a zombie. He tells a couple on the sidewalk walking and just runs away. They don't believe him at first, and even when they see Gary, who visibly looks very disheveled, there looks to be something off with this snail, they still see a cute snail. And as the man of the couple goes to pet Gary on the shell, Gary bites him on the hand. And as the man runs out of frame, comes into another frame, acting more zombie-ish, claiming that he has been bitten and has mad snail disease, he encounters another man who has been bitten already, has not had any of these symptoms, but the second that he heard that someone else had ailments associated with a snail bite, decided, oh wait, I have I have mad snail disease too. And that's not even the moment I was talking about from earlier. This is a precursor to that. But as everybody around the area starts realizing that they have all been bitten by Gary the Snail, all of the sudden everybody starts running and screaming in terror in what is known as Terror in a Shell, the news coverage associated with this hysteria. The news as we see it is covering the snail bite happening across Bikini Bottom and that mad snail disease is a real thing. It is a real illness that is causing people to turn into zombies. The news themselves creates an entire fake news story over a fake illness. Here you are watching this possibly at a young age for the first time and seeing this entire situation play out and being able to understand, oh, sometimes the news can blow situations out of proportion. Sometimes the things you see on the news are not 100% true. I'm not an anti-news person, by the way, but I am an anti-opinionated news person. Once opinions start going into actual facts, the, uh, the water gets a little muddy. I don't really like that. But the news here is not helping things, as on top of their coverage of mad snail disease, they have brought in one of the most well-renowned broadcasters, field reporters in the industry, someone who costs a big bill since we haven't seen him since the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Perch Perkins, making his television series debut, is covering mad snail disease, and also maybe under some disease himself, maybe some jaundice, as Perch is looking a bit brighter than I remember him looking. This is one of the characters that there is an inconsistency with their coloring throughout different parts of the show. If you ever see Perch Perkins in a movie, he's purple. And there's also other episodes where he's purple as well, but then there's this other Perch Perkins who is orange. And it's a little weird. Is there two Perch Perkins? Could those working behind the scenes not be inept? Because as a kid, I would think, why would they just be recoloring this character? So maybe they're not inept in the recoloring of this character. And maybe there is just two Perch Perkins, two P's, two double P's out in the field covering everything from new businesses opening 
to diseases spreading out through the land. Perch Perkins interviews Squidward. The initial, they have patient zero here. They are able to identify that this was the first man bitten by the snail and had mad snail disease. Squidward seems fine and goes over the apparent list of ailments he's had, essentially the same list that Patrick gave him. And this right here is the moment that I was talking about earlier where someone can see a situation going on and point to it and go, I'm part of that too, without really being a part of it. Here's Squidward being interviewed by Perch Perkins for the news, and someone has to run into frame to mention, oh, I feel kind of off balance too. Whoa, and falling over. Just knowing that the disease is fake and that this guy is coming in to just try to claim some extra ounce of sympathy from the news or who knows why people do these things. If they just want to be included, if, if they just want the attention, I don't know. There's a multitude of different reasons that could go in one's mind, but that right there happens a lot more than it should. And uh, I don't think it happens on an illness level as far as from from Maine all the way to California across our nation where people are, are looking at something and going, oh, I have that too. But there have been plenty of videos on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook of people faking seizures, which just irritates me to no end. The... F Ugh, I, I don't even want to get into my actual feelings about that because then this podcast goes from G slash PG to PG 13 R. And uh, yeah, that'll, that'll give you enough on my feelings about that. But there are those out there who have seen what others can't control about their lives and think, oh, look at all the sympathy they're getting. I want some of that too. How selfish of you because... If you even knew what those people that you're looking at and, and claiming that you want some of that, if you knew what they had to live with, you would choose to just live your own life. That's what I'll say about that. But this town is legitimately on fire. The fact that even on the news, they spread the information that mad snail disease can just be spread through the air. It is an airborne disease now. You can be bitten by a snail... And now the disease can be spread out from you breathing, from you coughing. Now the whole town is freaking out. In one of those classic shots of a cartoon character watching the news outside of a storefront on TVs, which, by the way, do those establishments still exist? I know that there's a few retro game stores that may have TVs in their window front, but is there any electronic store or TV store out there that has... TVs in the front window in a city all playing the same thing. Is that still a thing? I, I would genuinely love to know because I have seen that shot play out in so many countless cartoons, so many pieces of animation, and I can't tell you that I have ever seen an actual storefront. In the past, yeah, when, when TVs were more of a commodity of having their own store, but not in today's day and age, not in my lifetime. But if they still exist, I would love to know. We get this great gag here where SpongeBob, running from the mob, 
running from these zombies, and it's as close as we can get to an actual zombie outbreak happening on SpongeBob SquarePants. So it's not like these characters are discolored or anything, but the bloodshot eyes and the way they're walking. He gets in a bus, which just drops him off on the other side of this square block. SpongeBob gets back out, thinking he's away from the zombies, and they're just crossing the block. I, I love that gag. SpongeBob runs to the Krusty Krab, a safe haven for him, where there's already a group of citizens locked into the Krusty Krab, away from the zombie infestation. SpongeBob wants in. Mr. Krabs says no, but hey, he sees customers on their way coming up to the Krusty Krab. He has to be reminded by one of the customers inside of the store that those are zombies and you shouldn't let them in. Mr. Krabs, in one of the best quips of this episode, um, where he says, fine, but that's coming out of your paycheck to the guy. The fact that Mr. Krabs would just say that to somebody. I, I laugh every time he says it. The guy says, I don't work here. But SpongeBob squeezes through the door to prove himself to still be SpongeBob. Although, if he was a zombie, he could still technically do that. I mean, a brain-dead zombie probably wouldn't know. But either way, SpongeBob squeezes in through the door and is still begging for Mr. Krabs to let him in, which tells Mr. Krabs, oh yeah, that is SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. Patrick, who is also barricaded within the Krusty Krab, comes in to cause yet more trouble as he accuses SpongeBob of still being a zombie. How do we not know that you're not a zombie? And when SpongeBob, as one of his extra bits of evidence, is to pull out his wallet where he showcases an adorable picture of him and Patrick that he has in his wallet, Patrick takes that as a grain of salt now as, okay, I'll, I'll take that as you're not a zombie for now, but I've got my eye on you. Right after he says that is, to me, one of the funniest parts of this episode. An old man comes in to accuse Patrick of being a zombie. Out of nowhere, out of pocket, this guy instantly says, well, if you could pull your eye out and put it on him, wouldn't that make you a zombie? A completely ridiculous bit that didn't happen, but this old man just threw it out there in the ether of a possibility, which then this is where Patrick's brain truly works at, where you give him that information and then he assumes it's true. Oh, then I am a zombie. Then the old man just then proclaims, well, what is stopping all of us from being zombies? And this is showing you another layer where mass hysteria can even play out within safe circles. All of these people barricaded in the Krusty Krab looking at one another. We're all good. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, somebody makes the possibility that they're all zombies and everyone is freaking out within the Krusty Krab. Oh, the irony of this situation. There is another bite that happens as somehow Gary made his way into the Krusty Krab. SpongeBob knows that Gary is a good snail. He knows. It's his best friend. He goes up to him, and as he pets him on the shell, gets bitten just like that man on the street did earlier. SpongeBob is rightfully upset about this, but has little to no time to grasp as to what just happened to him. As the crowd immediately turns on Gary, SpongeBob has been bitten by his own pet snail, and it's time for this snail to go. The crowd is surrounding SpongeBob and Gary. 
with pitchforks, nets, stakes on fire. Mr. Krabs even claims it's for his own good until our hero of the day, Dr. Gil Gilliam. A doctor with a peculiar set of arms who is a snail expert and a snail disease expert comes in to calm everyone down over this situation. There is no mad snail disease. There, There isn't. Doesn't exist. And it seems like Gary just has a bit of snail-itis, which was caused by a splinter in his quote-unquote foot, which was, of course, from Squidward's fence that he built earlier in the episode and was a nice bit of foreshadowing that he received a splinter himself. But this was no ordinary splinter inside of Gary once it was pulled out. It seems like as Gary hopped from one post to another, you can legitimately see the post that somehow entirely went into Gary's foot, but an entire log is pulled out of this poor snail who calms down and everybody is able to stop freaking out, except for Squidward who keeps up the zombie act for an extra moment in another one of my favorite gags where they're telling him, hey, you're not a zombie, but Squidward goes, yes, I am, and gets right behind the counter of the Krusty Krab to take someone's order. What a splinter. What a zombie. And I gotta tell you, sometimes it can feel like being a zombie when you are a, uh, a counter jockey, a, a registered jockey of a, an establishment, and you're having the same conversations with people over and over and over again. It depends on where you work. If there's variety to your job, those conversations won't ever, won't ever feel the same. But if you're at a job where you sell one or two or three things, or you're a cashier where there's not much to do. There's a zombie-like feeling that can come to that. So once you've lived your life in a little bit of Squidward's shoes, you'll understand a little bit of Squidward. I'm Squidward! I'm Squidward! 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 Wait! It's not enough to look like Squidward to be opposite. You have to act like him, too. The final gag for this episode, for some reason, has Mr. Krabs getting bitten by Gary, who, at this point, has had the splinter removed, so maybe it's just a, a completionist kind of thing for Gary. Hey, I've bitten everyone else in town. Now it's your turn. Or he's got a, a hankering for crab. But either way, that was once bitten which its title is taken from the phrase once bitten, twice shy, which is an old saying, which I can break it down for you. If you've been bitten by something one time, then the next time you're around that, that animal, you're going to be a bit more cautious. An unpleasant experience induces caution. And with that, that is going to be this week's episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. You were not bitten on this episode, so next week you should not have to feel any caution about coming aboard. And I thank you for your time and for you being here. I appreciate each and every one of you on the Ready Crew. If you would like to write into the show questions, comments, or have anything read out on the air here, you can write me at spongepodpodcast at gmail. Dot com. If you would like to follow Captain Eric on social media, you can do so. At Twitter, you can find me at I'm Ready Podcast, and on Instagram, you can find me at SpongeBob Podcast. If you would also like to follow my other podcast, This Week in Nickelodeon History, it drops 
every Sunday to Monday on most conceivable podcasting platforms, including YouTube and Spotify, where there are video versions available. If you would like to support The Captain, there are two ways you can do so, the best of which is by subscribing to The Captain Eric YouTube channel. Every link I mention is in the podcast description below, but you can also go to youtube.com slash at the Captain Eric, hit that subscribe button. It's your best means of showing your support. But if you would like to go the extra mile, you can follow that Redbubble link in the podcast description below, where you can find a bunch of Captain Eric logos and pieces of art that you can put on a multitude of different products stickers, hats, t shirts, anything that comes in for my projects go directly back into my projects, and it is always appreciated. You guys. Make this worth it. I love each and every one of you, and thank you for coming aboard to another episode. I'll see you here next week, and as always, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Hey, Squidward, you're not a zombie, remember? Oh, yes, I am. Welcome to the Krusty Krab. May I take your order?